You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there. Welcome to the 515 Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. This is... John Wayne, how you doing? I'm great, man. I appreciate it. So Every time good. you give me those little... But visual yeah. encouragement. Yeah, it just yeah. makes my a little affirmation for you getting through the intro. I got through it. What most people don't know is that you really struggle with your intro every time. <laughs> it never gets easier. Not even on episode eighty-five, which is yeah, eighty-five, bro. You've had some some chances to get this. Right. I understand. Like eighty-four you, of them actually. Once you hit ninety, that's when you really start nailing it every single time. Okay. I can't okay. wait. Okay, um, we are continuing the King Hood United. Sermon series here at King United Methodist. Oh, King United. Yeah. You. Um, save me here. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That goes away at episode 90 as well. So this week we talked about, um, I'm, I'm saving you. Uh, this week we talked about Wesleyan distinctives and how what makes us Methodist, basically. Ah, yes. Um, I so did not hear the word distinctive. Kingwood United and that? what follows that is Methodist. Yeah, I said distinctives a lot. It was even in the title. Which I gave you a script because you were running the slides you in the back. Did. <laughs> that helped. Yeah, yeah, I'm calling you out. Uh, so, anyways, speaking of calling you out, I, I got kind of a question for you. Okay. Uh oh, Jason. Yes. Why are you a Methodist? Well, my mom said so. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> you sound scared to answer. I am. I'm like, have I been talking about my mom too much on this podcast? I'm really wondering that. No, I was born Methodist. Okay. Um, yeah. My mom. Was Methodist. My dad was also, mm-hmm. which is not that he went to church all the time, but mm-hmm. I think he was Methodist growing up. Uh, my mom's dad, my grandfather, is a Methodist preacher. Yeah. So it's like kind of hard to just like get up and say, "Forget that. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to be a Calvinist." So <laughs> I didn't know what that <laughs> Whoa, was. Oh, easy. I was just saying, I was picked that out of the air. Yeah. So what, like, what has drawn you to, or is there was there never? A choice, like did you? Are you just always? Oh no, Methodist? there's a choice. So where I grew up, a very small uh, farming village mm-hmm. here in uh, southeast Texas, mm-hmm. um, three miles south of us was the largest population of Catholics I think known to man. I could be wrong, but you were either Methodist or Catholic. <laughs> Catholic yep. growing up. Yep, yep. In fact, I'll take this even further into this hole. Um, there are other priest Myers. 20 miles south of where I grew up that honestly I didn't really know that much mm-hmm. we were very distantly related like mm-hmm. ninth cousin twice removed and the difference between the Garwood Priest Myers and the El Campo Priest Myers I'll give you a little history here the Garwood Priest, Mar- Priest Myers were Methodist okay and Longhorns oh wow <laughs> wait you're a Longhorn I grew up Longhorn Jeez, I was man. born into a Longhorn Yikes. family I did not attend the Longhorn uh, school the I, Longhorn school is that what it's called <laughs> yeah um, but I did I do know that all the priest Myers in El Campo were Aggies okay. and Catholic. <laughs> so wow. there you go. Very okay. big gap between us Yeah, over those 20 miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so I knew. I mean, I grew up. I went to school with Catholics. Yeah. And um, there were, like, probably, like, 13 kids in my class that were all, we all went to Garwood to Methodist Church. So Garwood. so over the years, if someone were to ask you about the Methodist Church, yeah. how, how would, like, what would you tell them about? Mm. We had... Um, we did MYF during the summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Sunday school. Uh, I don't know. I've kind of exhausted a lot of my Methodist knowledge, I guess, on this podcast. No, it's just been a, It's been like yeah. a really kind of uh, 
welcoming place that I've felt totally at home and comfortable with yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, it was a cool, I would recommend anybody to, to yeah. grow up Methodist if you have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. But, um, yeah, that's about, that's about it. Good. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like if I wasn't staring at you right now, you're making these faces at me, I could come up, you know, really good. I, you know what? I need to work on an elevator pitch. <laughs> For people who are to ask me, why are you about this? <laughs> yeah, now nah, nah you should. Well, let me let me help you a little bit. I'm looking it up right now on my computer. <laughs> yeah, give me some tips. I'm gonna write this down. Well, actually, so my history is same almost. Like, okay, not not like grandfather Methodist pastor so, thing, but a little better. Um, you, yeah. <laughs> like, hang on, I can answer the question. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, grew up Methodist. Um, found my way when I when I decided to try church out again. Um, I won't give the whole calling history. I mean, the whole testimony. Mm-hmm. But when I decided to try church out again, it was the natural first choice because grew up Methodist kind of thing. Um, but then started to see some things in the Methodist church that I really enjoyed, that I really liked, really resonated with mm-hmm. me. And so as I started to decide on ministry, on whether I was being called into that, um, explored the history of the Methodist Church and what the Wesleyan movement really believed in. When I say Wesleyan, I don't even know if I defined this the other day, but Wesleyan is a way of describing theology or missional importance or um, something that stems from the early movement that came from John Wesley. Okay. Okay, so when I say Wesleyan, I'm kind of... I'm not... All, all of United Methodist Church practice and, and focus right now is all over the place. So when I draw <laughs> okay. on early Wesleyan, yeah. I think I'm drawing on our roots kind the of roots. thing is what, yeah. I'm, what I'm talking okay. about. And I fell in love with our roots and, cool. and what our church was about. So anyways, this past I have as well that. since... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you, you, I didn't want to were you a teacher's pet? I was not. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, teacher. I love that. Great answer. Yes, I was going to say what he said. I do that. Okay, so this past week we talked about. Um, I got to quit laughing and just focus so we can get some good material Please. here. All right. What what makes us Methodist? Um, that's kind of what we talked about. What's the Wesleyan distinctives? Um, what makes us unique? And and so there's several ways that we could answer that. One is actually let me give you some some general ones. When you talk to somebody, we could talk about polity, mm-hmm. um, the way that the church is organized. So we're organized. If I were to compare ourselves to like a Baptist church, which is a congregational model, um, we're organized in where congregations are more autonomous in the Baptist world. For the example, in the Methodist world, we're built in a connectional system where we're more connected at a denominational level okay. um, than Baptist churches would be. And so um, some ways that that plays out is, for one, itinerant system. Uh, pastors are appointed by the bishop to different churches. So all the churches um, are are connected to each other. And so I, as you are a member of KUMC, I'm not a member of KUMC. My wife is, but I'm not. Okay. Did you know that? <laughs> I had no So I'm a member of oh. the Texas Annual Conference. Okay. Meaning that I go where the bishop calls, that mm-hmm. I have, uh, I have, especially when I get ordained, my vows will be to take the appointment where the bishop calls because the denomination is about seeing all of the churches working together in the mission field. And so okay. that, that yeah. causes pastors to work together in, in kind of a family, a more familial, kind of like depend on each other structure, mm-hmm. um, but also for us to 
to to not just get pegged down in what's going on here, but for us to also support the other churches that are around, which I think is a really cool and healthy thing about yeah. polity. We could talk about um, we could talk about infant baptism, for example. Um, as we compare to other churches, not many churches practice infant baptism like mm-hmm. we do. Okay. So there's a unique thing about yeah. the Methodist church. Uh, Sunday school is really important, but a lot of churches have Sunday school. There's a lot of things that we could draw on, I think, um, that might be different or unique. But w- what makes all of the Methodist church, the Wesleyan movement or flavor, different than or unique compared to the other movements that are in at least mainline Protestantism and, and other mainline Protestant churches. Um, well, for me, and what we talked about uh, on Sunday, are these four things. One is grace, Wesley's understanding of grace. Um, the second one is the holy Christian life, the understanding of holiness. Third is community, the emphasis of community. Mm-hmm. And fourth is uh, the vision of the world. And so let me break those down really quick. Please. Grace, we believed, uh, Wesley Wesley believed that God's grace is, uh, is at work in our lives all the time, all over the place, in many different ways. And in the Protestant Reformation, one of the things that was really pressed hard was this salvation by faith alone, that we can be saved by faith and grace alone, that I don't earn my way in, right? Like kind of reforming against the Catholic Church. I don't earn my way in by Mm -hmm. performing a bunch of acts. It's in faith, in response to what God has done. I am saved, and God does the work in that moment. Um, Wesley would believe that we have to respond, right? That we, we respond to that grace. And so uh, the Reformation was really driven home this point that we are saved by faith alone. We we see that in Paul's writings. We see that all over the place. However, it pressed it so hard it missed everything else. Mm. And and so Wesley, coming 200 years after the Reformation, would say, okay, um, God's grace is the only way that we're able to respond to God. And so even before we're aware of God, God's prevenient grace is speaking to our hearts wooing us to him otherwise we are we are stuck in sin hmm. uh, as the gospel says that once you were dead and now you're alive um you can't make yourself alive. Dead people mm-hmm. don't become alive on their own. And so Wesley believed the prevenient grace is part of God opening our eyes to the brokenness of our hearts, removing the scales so that we might be able to respond. And in our response, it is God's love and grace that justifies us in, in the justifying grace, meaning God's love brings us from death to life. It forgives us of our past, our present, and our future sins. It is God's love working for us to call us a Christian, to make us a Christian in that moment. Okay? Yeah, Does that okay. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then God's love, that's not the end of it. In the Reformation, that would be like, okay, you're saved. Well done. Pray this prayer. Thank you for coming down at the altar call. Right. Now sign up for the next mission trip or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? And and Wesley really wanted to believe that mm-hmm. this is not the arrival point. This is only the beginning of the journey. And so God's sanctifying grace now is working in us. Where prevenient and justifying grace was working for us, sanctifying grace is working in us. Yeah. Um, the other way I put this on Sunday was that uh, justifying grace, excuse me, prevenient grace and justifying grace helps us to become a Christian. Sanctifying grace helps us to be a Christian. Yeah. As God changes our nature, as He creates us, as as He recreates us, as He mm-hmm. as He helps us to to live a life that is born again of of something different. And so that's God's grace working now. 
the second Wesleyan emphasis is holy Christian life. That that's that sanctifying journey that we are called to be different than the world around us. That we are set apart. That Second Peter says you are to be holy as your as the one who is holy and calls you to be holy. You are to be holy. We are to be set apart. Meaning that God's grace it, it not only does it does it um, forgive us of our sin, but it has the power to free us from our sin. Mm-hmm. And so that brings about the doctrine of Christian perfection, entire sanctification, which we can talk about in just a second. And then the third thing that Wesley would really press home, and I think is is evident in our Methodist churches, and particularly at KUMC as we talk about Kingwood United, is community. Community yes. is so important. And if you're a 515 listener, you know that. Okay? <laughs> right. You know that community is so important. Wesley said there's no Christian, uh, there's no Christianity in isolation, that uh, social holiness means that we are in community growing in our grace, mm-hmm. that we're growing in this faith. And so that happens in, in class meetings or mortal life groups, as we call them here, in band groups, in different ways as we're joined together. Now, other churches have small groups and things like that. But don't emphasize the holiness that we emphasize. That that I don't care if you've been walking the Lord for fifty years, and uh, there is still work that God can do in your life. And so it's important for us to, in community, be, be considering how God's grace is still transforming us and, and calling us onward. Yeah. And then the fourth thing is the vision for the world. One of the things that is really, really, truly unique about the United Methodist movement, I think, is this tension of holding holiness as important up with justice as social a world mission work is important. And so some denominations swing from one side to the other. The, okay. like this pendulum go to one where we care about social justice so much yeah. that we kind of miss uh, what the Christian life is supposed to look like. So we lose truth and biblical understanding. We lose what Jesus has done for us. Uh, we don't have to worry about sin in our life <laughs> as much because as long as we're focusing on this latest social justice movement, yeah. this systemic evil or fighting against um, racism or whatever it is. Now, um, the other side of it is is these pietist movements that, that so heavily extreme push the holiness aspect that they miss the justice serving the hungry and going to the prisoner and serving mm-hmm. the orphan. You can see communes, the monastic movement kind of drawing in on itself and retreating from the world around us. That's missing the other side. Wesley would say, why do we have to choose? Let's hold those both together mm-hmm. that we can go on to holiness uh, on one side, but we can also fight for the least, the last, the lost on this side. And so um, Wesley was famous for saying, the world is my parish meaning I, I'm called to any of this as he travels around on horseback and he goes to every person he encounters and meets and, and brings the good news of Jesus. That's what we're called to. And that's what KUMC we feel is really important to both serve the people of Kingwood, Humble, Atascacita, Northeast Houston mm-hmm, area, absolutely. to serve the region and you and Marmy and um, uh, some of the De- Sager Brown, some of the different regional trips, uh, prisons that we go into, and then to go out into the world to go to Haiti and Costa Rica and Africa and, and different places like that. So those are the distinctives that I would put forth. Yeah. That gives me some good things to, to put in my answer. The next that time ele- that's a little longer than an elevator speech. It is. Unless it's a really long elevator ride. <laughs> Continued several parts. I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to hit all the buttons. If I just if you hit all the buttons. Like Buddy Elf. Yeah. <laughs> in the Empire State Building. Yeah. I will keep that in mind. Yeah. So let's go back to the grace thing. Yeah. Because I heard you say grace a lot, and I was busy writing some of those answers down. But um, so is John Wesley... John Wesley 
Wesley. Wesley? Is John Wesley. It's singer, United. Oh, United. <laughs> I did grow up in Texas. Yeah. Um, is he talking about all these, a bunch of different graces? Yeah, yeah. So the, it, someone even asked me this, this question after grace. Sunday. The other day. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. This is God. So God's grace is, I mean, very simply put, you probably heard this definition, unmerited love that's given to us, right? God's unconditional, unmerited love working in our life. Um, God's grace is at work in our life in all of these ways. And Wesley and the Methodists are trying to talk about the ways in which God's love works in our life. And it's so not, that's where they get labeled. Right. It's not like three superpowers. It's like, not like I know. give you this grace. Yeah. And like, okay, you've you've graduated you've from that one. You've achieved a level three. Turn that one in. <laughs> Let me give you this other grace. Yeah. Now use that one for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't really work like that. It's God's grace working holistically throughout the whole journey. Okay. And even beyond when we talk about, uh, he talks about glorifying grace as he makes us fully fully into the the presence of what we're to be as we're in his presence mm-hmm. in, in in eternity and so that grace working from all the way through and all, throughout all things that's what Wesley's trying to understand rather than just focusing on salvation uh, or rather than just focusing on the point in which we are saved I'm doing an air quote yeah Wesley says salvation is all of this salvation is mm-hmm. this journey through all of this mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's God's grace and love working in different ways in our life. Okay. So, grace, or saved through grace, does that, I'm, I'm trying to c- connect two dots here. Does yeah. that imply that when we were born, we're not like already, yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. You're a baby, you're all good. I mean, and, and, and you've heard, the, I'm sure everyone's had this kind of, you know, philosophical mm-hmm. discussion like are are we born sinners? Are we born good or bad? You know, what where do we fall? Where do the, where does the Methodist Church fall on kind of that topic? Yeah. yeah so, um, so first of all, one of the things that I, Wesley, a lot of a lot of like reformers and and theologians are are what we call systematic theologians. Okay, meaning uh, they have these big systematic theology books like. There's these huge like look at you're looking at my bookshelf. Yes. There's these huge books, and some of these are systematic theology books where they set out to define and philosophically understand every aspect of faith mm-hmm. and understanding of what God's doing in the world and things like that. Wesley believed in practical theology, and so he was instead of trying to come up with this great treatise of faith like some of the reformers are, Calvin has his institutes or, you know, just go on and on and on. What, what Wesley's goal was, how does theology affect the people around? How does this immediately impact what's going on? And so even his understanding of evil and the sinner and what's going on was created by practical theology. So I say all that to say, some of what we talk about is is much more practical when it comes to this than it is this deep philosophical thinking. I know that there's some problems with that, so we have to draw on some other systematic theologians. But when it comes to this, Wesley believed, along with Calvin and others, that we are we we are born with our sin nature, that we are given original sin, that we are in Adam, 
as original sin takes place in, okay. in the garden. Mm-hmm. And so apart from God's grace working in our life, we are only, and I'm quoting Wesley, we can only do evil and do evil continually. Meaning apart from God's love working, even the person without God that does good things is God's provenient grace working or common grace working around that situation mm-hmm. or encouraging that person to do that. And so Wesley believed that there's no way we could be aware of God or no way we could choose God or respond to God unless God's love welcomes us or calls us to each other. And I know that that's tough when it comes to like, okay, what about a child that dies early on? Yeah. What does that mean? What's going on there? Yeah, well, there's, an, there's another part. The prevenient grace covers the baby <laughs> before the baby grows up to the point. That's why we, that's why we baptize infants. Yeah. We believe that God's prevenient grace, his love says that the first word over this child, the first word over the child Mm -hmm. is that this child is loved, even though they're born in with this nature and there's going to be a point where they have to respond to that. So that's kind of, you see the practical nature of that. That's how that would work out with Wesley. Um, But yes, on the surface, the question, are we born sinners? Yes, we believe that we Mm -hmm. are. We believe we're born with a sin nature, so to speak, um, that when left to our own devices, uh, not good. When I was growing up, um, the coolest toy store nearby was um, Radio Shack. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you really were out there. In the I was out in the sticks, I promise. <laughs> um, so the coolest toy is like, hey, every Christmas there's this remote control car. And it wasn't the kind where you could like do the stunts and turn mm-hmm. left and right. It would only turn in one direction. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. to the left. Yeah. So if you just hold the trigger, it's yeah. going to go in a circle. And it's like, this is boring. Yeah. You had to actually take the little steering wheel and like to keep going. If you want to do a straight line, yeah. you really had to work at it. Yeah. You had to turn yeah. that thing. So I think what you're saying is that. When we're born, we're going to go in this one direction yeah. natively, unless yeah. you're, you know, unless something impacts you, unless something impacts you or is yeah, telling you or someone. That's thank you, right? Like an outside force is what we're talking about, right? An outside force, or you know, a, there's a, a intentional, mm-hmm. you know, steering, steering. Of the that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great analogy. I wish I could yeah, say well done, it. Well, Jason. thank you. I just like to like kind of like lob these up and let you spike them over the next <laughs> no no, no I, re- I really like that I really like that I think that's a great way of thinking about it I can just see it. you're right we would just be going in circles yes. like we're just kind of we're left to our own devices it's it's not good unless there's some outward action or um, force that can help steer us in another direction now it is where the analogy might fall apart I don't know if I would say it falls apart but but even with your analogy, even in steering it another way, mm-hmm. it doesn't guarantee that the car will go, always drive in the right way. You've got It'll to go right going. back into the circle, You've got to right? keep steering it. And so now it has the opportunity to respond because of that. So, yeah, great. I love it. That was well nice. done. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Yeah. All right. So uh, I mentioned one of the more controversial doctrines. I kind of flew over it just a minute ago. Um, One of the most controversial doctrines, people hear this and and just kind of shirk, entire sanctification or Christian perfection. Wesley believed Mm -hmm. in Christian perfection. Jason, have you ever heard this term? And what do you think of when you hear uh, this talked about? in other words, what's the problems with, with this idea? Oh, there's a big problem up front, and I've, I'm sure I've heard this. I've heard it. And my reaction is probably, what are other people thinking? Like non-believers or 
non-Methodists, what are what are they thinking when they hear someone say Christian perfection? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I immediately think, well, they're going to hate that. <laughs> you know, they being secular society or, or whomever, you know, they. When, when you hear, when I hear the term Christian perfection, I think, oh, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm perfect. And you're not a Christian, therefore you're not perfect or... And I just assume people are going to have a very not negative reaction, you know, to that that kind of statement. So that to me is like that's a turnoff to hear that, right? But being sitting through this sermon series and kind of having these conversations, you know, I don't believe that that's a bad a bad phrase. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So help you know help so, me out here so so wesley had these uh questions that are still part of our ordination process and so <clears throat> god willing if i pass the next round of interviews i get ordained in may okay and one of the questions or two of the questions that i get asked are are you going on to perfection <laughs> and in front of the entire voting block of the entire annual conference which uh-huh. is split by lady uh, delegates and clergy delegates I have to answer these vowels. Are you going on to perfection? And sometimes people laugh about that because yeah. half of the group doesn't believe in it. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> well, I mean, or they have a loose understanding of it. They uh-huh. don't teach it or anything. Uh-huh. And then the, the next one is, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Yeah. And I have to answer that in front of everyone. Isn't wow. that interesting? Okay. But here's where – this is where we have to understand what Wesley meant. Wesley, by talking about Christian perfection – and and I, let me explain what it is, and then let me explain why it's really important okay. for us to understand. Entire sanctification or Christian perfection never meant that we never sin. Okay? Mm-hmm. That is important. Wesley would reject sinless perfection. Mm. Okay? okay, So Tim Tennant would talk about it this way. This is because for Wesley, sanctification is not primarily a judicial or forensic term, meaning they are without fault. Right? That's a judicial kind of or forensic term. Rather, it is a relational term. Entire sanctification means that your whole life, your body, and your spirit have been reoriented towards the joyful company of the triune God, meaning all that you are or all that you know you are, all that you can give, mm-hmm. you are giving to the relationship with God and with other people. Okay. Entire sanctification, uh, excuse me, you are now oriented towards the eternal community of God himself. Entire sanctification was for Wesley not the end of some long drudge out of the life of sin, but joining the joyful assembly of those who have truly found God. For Wesley, holiness is the crown of true happiness. Sin is still encamped around us on every side, but it is no longer our ally. We burn the secret agreements we have made with sin in the night while we confess Christ in the day. We leave behind the agonizingly torn hearts where we always live under condemnation because sin is always creeping back into our lives. In the life of the sanctified person, sin becomes your permanent enemy, not your secret lover. Hmm. And so um, I think that's a great word from Tenet, but but one of the things that I, like, I, I think that we need to understand is that this is about, well, this is what I asked on Sunday, and I'd ask this again. Do you believe that God can forgive you of your sins? Well, if you're a Christian, then obviously yes, right? You came to a place where you believe that Jesus died for you Mm -hmm. and for your sins, and he took away those sins. Now, the next question I would believe, do you believe that God can free you from that sin? Mm -hmm. And I hope the answer is yes. And that's what Christian perfection is about. Not only can God forgive you, but God can also free you. He can set you free from that sin. And so whatever it is, whether it's from... um, an addiction to something all the way to pride and ang- and anger and things like that 
God can not only forgive you, but he can also save you. Mm. He can also free you from that and give you the power to walk a different life um, out of that place. And so without believing in this movement of the holiness and this movement of of, uh, perfection, so to speak, um, we are trusting in God for his forgiveness and missing the power. We are trusting in his love, but missing his purpose. We are trusting in only half of the story. That's why Christian perfection is so important. And perfection is not without fault. It's about being restored to what we were created to be. That's what it's going on, Mm -hmm. what's getting at. So, the reason now that's what it is Does that makes sense Does that yeah. help a little mm-hmm. bit Very, okay so here's why it's so important because i believe that first of all too often the church treats the christian journey as an arrival point when we're saved instead of seeing us as an ongoing journey yeah that we're still to be going on that there's more in the house of god to experience mm-hmm. The second thing, and this is really big for me as a Methodist pastor, I believe that this is, and I'm not, this is not John Wayne, but Wesley would say this himself. This is the greatest thing that we have to offer to the greater Christian conversation. This idea of holiness and Christian perfection, this is what we can interject to the rest of the Christian conversation. Because just by me being a Wesleyan doesn't mean that all these other denominations don't have anything to bring. That's Mm. not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is here's one distinctive that we, if it was absent from the greater conversation of God's people and the Christian biblical testimony of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, I believe that the the formula or the sentence would be missing a piece. Mm. And so we should offer this back into it. And that means we need to believe it again and live like it. It means we as a church need to look different in the world around us. Yeah. Amen? I like that. Amen. Okay. I think that's all we had on our notes. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to do is tell everybody to be in prayer. You will hear this sometime in the next couple of days. Yes. Saturday, which is, what is Saturday? 23rd? Yeah. One, two, three. 23. Saturday the 23rd, I fly to St. Louis. That is the beginning of the special call general conference of the United Methodist Church, which is is dealing with a controversial issue of um, how the church uh, treats LGBT persons mm-hmm. when it comes to marriage and ordination. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been divisive... Uh, issues around this for for decades really but definitely for the last several years and so uh, there's going to be some voting and decisions to come and then uh, just be aware that Bert and myself are both going to this conference Uh, senior pastor Bert Palmer and then myself and he will be blogging I'll probably post some on my personal accounts on social media Um, and then we will we will communicate the outcome of this following the conference but next this coming saturday the 23rd through wednesday that following wednesday and so uh the 27th so know that that's going on okay yeah we'll definitely be praying for all the delegates spirit spirit led yeah um I mean, spirit led god moved breathed absolutely uh, leadership in that space um, either side of these issues are good, good people mm-hmm. um, that mean well. Now, I want to say to everybody that's listening or will listen to this, you will see, you will see if you turn on the news at all, some really crazy news stories on this yeah. and some presentations of protests and things going on. Um, just be aware that's happening. 
Not everything you're going to read is is accurate in the way they present it. And that's not because I'm not trying to bash media. That's not what I'm trying to do. But not everyone understand. Not everyone that's going to report it understands the nuance of yeah. what is inside of our polity and what's going on and, and how things are working. I out. like how you said in, in the sermon the other day that they're going to find the loudest on either side of the yeah. story. Of yeah, this, loudest of and ugliest. Issue. And yeah. that's who they're going to. That's who they're going to probably interview. Yeah, that's yeah, that's something to look forward to. But yeah, definitely keep keep that in your prayers and in in the. You know, keep your temperament. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've I've said be be conservative in um, be conservative in the way that you share information as mm-hmm. you look for the right information. Mm, yeah. And so, especially if you're if you're listening to this, you probably do social media. Don't stay away from the share button. Like, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's from somebody a really trusted source, um, just be careful in sharing that right now. As as friends or neighbors, if they know you're a United Methodist and they ask you questions, just mm-hmm. tell them you know we're we're processing this and yeah. our church will lead. Uh, we'll 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 respond when the time's right yeah. in the right ways. So. so I hear we won't be recording next week because you will be you'll still be out of town or yeah, just we, returning that. If we record it, it there's still a possibility I'll be okay. back Wednesday. Maybe okay, day, so. maybe later in so, the Yep, that All sounds right. good. All right, well everyone, take care. Thanks for, right. for listening. Talk to you later.